shared from uh, Luke chapter 5. I believe it's Luke chapter 5. And the man is lowered through the ceiling. He's paral paralegic. He's paralyzed from the shoulders down. And his friends tore a hole in the roof and they lowered this man in the presence of the Lord. And Luke said, the power of the Lord was present to heal. But only one person got healed. The power of the Lord is here. And it is present to heal you. Will you receive your healing? Will you receive your deliverance tonight as we are ushered into a brand new decade. In the book of Revelation, chapter 13, and this is not going to be our primary passage, but this is how God has directed me. In verses 11 through 18, we read, Then I saw a second beast coming out of the earth. It had two horns like a lamb, but it spoke like a dragon. It exercised all of the authority of the first beast on, behalf, on its behalf and made the earth and its inhabitants worship the first beast, whose fatal wound had been healed, and it performed great signs, even causing fire, to come down from heaven to earth in full view of the people. Because of the signs, it was given power to perform on behalf of the first beast. It deceived the inhabitants of the earth. It ordered them to set up an image in honor of the beast who was wounded by the sword and yet lived. The second beast was given power to give breath to the image of the first beast. So the image could speak and cause all who refused to worship the image to be killed. It also forced all people, great and small, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hands or on their foreheads so that they could not buy or sell unless they had the mark, which is the name of the beast or the number of its name. This calls for wisdom. Let the person who has sight calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of man. That number is six. Six, six. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we bow in your presence. And we're so grateful that you're here. And Father, it is one thing to be physically present in the building. It's quite another thing to actually be present in spirit. And so, God, we know that you have promised that if we open up the door and allow you to come in, that you will sup with us and we with you. And so, God, we're asking right now that you give us ears to hear what the Spirit of God has to say to the church 
as we are moving into a new decade. In Jesus' name, amen. This is a different type of sermon for me. And so it's going to have actually two parts, but it will come together. As I prayed about what I should share tonight as a new decade is about to be ushered in, God spoke to me in a dream when I realized that God was speaking to me, I've learned from past experiences that once God begins to speak and I have a degree of understanding that I need to immediately record the dream. What was interesting is I did uh, get up and began to write out what I had seen in my dream and God prevented me from remembering the first part of the dream. And I was able to record what I'm going to be sharing with you tonight. But the dream was about Revelation chapter 13, specifically verses 11 through 18. And the connection between the title of our message for the last worship time before we move into a new decade is definitely connected. The, the message is entitled, God is waiting for your yes. And what Revelation chapter 13 reveals that so is Satan waiting for your yes. There's coming a time on earth when every person is going to have to publicly say yes to God or yes to Satan. We do know from Philippians chapter 2 that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord, but that's after we have died and either are standing before Christ at the Bema Seat judgment, which is the judgment for believers, the Bible said, it is appointed unto man once to die, but after this is the judgment. We are immediately ushered into the presence of God, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 5. And believers are not judged as to whether or not we will enter into heaven or hell. That issue has been settled according to Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, being justified by faith, we now have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. There is therefore no more condemnation. That's chapter 5. Chapter 8, verse 1 says, there is therefore no more condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. So the judgment of believers is for our reward. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 tells us that every man's works will be tried according to what sort they are, whether they're wood, stubble, hay, or precious stone. And if any man's works should suffer loss, he himself shall be saved, but your works... And so there is a future judgment that is going to occur in the very throne room of God. But this declaration that will publicly need to be made as to whose allegiance we are 
honoring is also going to transpire on the very terrestrial soil, soil of the earth, that one day there's going to be a decision that we all have to make. And so I want to cover some things. I'm not going to dig deep, but I just want to get you prepared for 2020. God is waiting for your yes. He is waiting for your yes. I want to start with, as we look at that Revelation 13 passage very superficially, the current spiritual clim climate that we live in, that the current uh, spiritual climate that we live in, that is setting the stage for the choice that all mankind must make. The current spiritual climate that is going to determine that we all make a decision. I want to look at that. Then I want to look at the crises that God is, has used. Maybe someone has said that 2019 has been one of their worst years. I've got good news for you, sis. God uses the crises in our life to bring us to a place of saying yes. And then we're going to consider the clarity that, must, that God uses to prompt us to say yes. So once, the, once we understand the climate that we're in right now and the crises that God has used, then he will give us clarity, and in that clarity, we will find ourselves receiving a call, a call to say yes. Somebody say amen. So this is going to be kind of a long kind of platform to take off. So just, just, just follow me. In the book of Revelation, God reveals to the apostle John, the beloved apostle on the island of Patmos, the events that will occur during the end times. And we are in the end times. They were ushered in during when the Bible says, in the fullness of time, Christ came, born of a woman. And so he ushered in what is called the time or the period of the Gentiles, which is the church age that we're living in right now. The scripture says that we should always be ready for such a time when we think not, because the Son of Man, we don't think that way anymore, but at any time. And the Bible says he's coming back as a thief in the night. After the one world leader, who is called in the passage that I just read, the beast, takes control by signs and wonders that are performed by the false prophet empowered by the dragon, Satan. Millions of people are deceived into believing that the beast is the promised Messiah. And they believe, according to Revelation chapter 13, verse 14, that the beast, the one world leader, the political leader, is the Messiah that Israel has been waiting for is because he is mortally wounded. He is assassinated. And for a period of three days, he is dead. And then the false prophet, supernaturally, through the power allowed to the dragon who is Satan by God, brings this dead political leader called the beast back to life. And when he is brought back to life, people begin to worship this man as the promised Messiah, as God in human form. And what this leader, through the false prophet, who performed signs and wonders, which leads to a greater deception, he requires that everyone who is involved in transactions 
in order to eat, in order to live, in order to clothe yourself, you have to receive the mark that identifies a yes to the beast, a yes to Satan who is in charge of the unholy trinity. The dragon, the beast, and the false prophet are operating in the place of God the Father, God the Son, the Holy Spirit during the tribulation period. As a pledge of loyalty, the mark of the beast, 666, which is the symbol of man, as is seven, the number seven is the symbol of the Holy Spirit in completion. The mark of the beast is the number 666. Now, when I studied this many years ago, my professors and scholars and myself included could not figure how people having read what is clearly uh, recorded in Revelation could be deceived into receiving a mark until we have, in the last 20 years, moved from a, from a paper currency, a coin currency, to an encrypted code currency. Everywhere you go, somebody knows where you are because you have a cell phone that has an encrypted chip that is a locator. Some of us have a Lexus in our house. Alexa, thank you. <laughs> and I have Ginger in my house, <laughs> in our house. Amen, let me straighten that out. But Alexa has the capability of the person that's monitoring Alexa to hear every secret and intimate conversation and to possibly, some of us have the video cameras that we can use our phones and see wherever we are, but who's monitoring the video that we purchased? Uh, even Fido, can, you can put a chip on your favorite pet, and if the pet gets lost, they now can be uh, monitored and, dis and, 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 and located. But guess what? Wherever, whenever you're near your pet, the people that are monitoring the location of your animal can monitor your location. Now, the reason I share that is there is a perfect alignment based on what is happening in the world today for what seem to be possibly a figment of biblical scholars' imagination. How could people be so foolish to receive chips? And who would let a, a mark of a beast be put on their forehead or their forearm? Well, you can have it embedded. You don't, and, and human beings have identification embedded under their skin. And so what we, we, are, we are in a time where God is calling for us in a world that is yelling through mass communication, social media has drowned the very voice of the Holy Spirit out. God's voice has become a whisper, and the churches are emptying, and Bibles are collecting dust. And I believe that what the scriptures have said about the rise of the Antichrist and the beast, that person could be alive today maybe even in the White House, or in Russia. And so 
when God is asking us to respond to the call of his life to our lives, and we say no by delaying or ignoring or simply being disobedient or just being religious. Some people are satisfied with just going to church. You've been in church all your life. That's all you know, but you've never said yes. You've never surrendered to God and his will for your life. I want to suggest to you that when you don't fully say yes to God, you really haven't said yes at all to him, but you're saying yes to the enemy. The most dangerous thing to Satan's plans for the world is a sold-out Christian. But we're so busy picking each other apart and finding reasons to be divided, Satan doesn't even have to worry about the church. He just lets us have a lot of good singing and a lot of nice fancy clothes wearing and getting a lot of big-time titles. And God is still calling for us to say yes. There's coming a time and I pray to God that you will not be here because the scripture talks about the restrainer being taken out of the world when the Holy Spirit at the time when the church is snatched up, caught up, raptured, when the trumpet is sounded and the dead in Christ are brought forth first. And we who remain, the Bible says, will be changed in a moment. And before you can blink your eye, the fastest camera won't catch it. Some will be left and you'll have a decision to make. Somebody say amen. And so that's the first part of it. I said, I don't want to come to church to be, you know, talking about revelation. And, and I want you to understand that this is serious. Jocelyn said that spiritual warfare is not just an event that you pay to attend. It's happening even right now. As God wants to speak to your heart. I pray that you'd be so uncomfortable this, this year in 2020 in your spiritual, yeah. spiritual state yeah. that you will never want to be what, what you were in 2019, that God would so shake you and grab you yeah. that you will say yes, say yes. Now, I want to spend the rest of our time because the beast is here. If not presently, prophetically, it's already done in the mind of God. And that time is closer than we think. Now, turn to Isaiah chapter 6. And this is one of uh, my favorite passages of Scripture. And just like there's a spiritual, spiritual climate that is setting the stage for one world leader that will demand a yes from you or me, let me say maybe you, I don't plan to be here. And I know most of you. How many of you know Jesus? Praise God. Praise God. How many? Amen. Let's rest one on. Amen. Now, the crises that God will allow during spiritual climate like we live in is his opportunity to bring you to a place of saying yes. Listen to what the scripture says. In the year King Uzziah died. I saw the Lord sitting where? On a throne, high and lifted up, 
and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above it stood seraphim. Each one had six wings. With two, he covered his face. With two, he covered his feet. And with two, he flew. And one cried out to another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the post of the doors were shaken by the voice of him who cried out. And the house was filled with smoke. This is a scene of another vision. Not like the one John, the beloved disciple, saw when he was able to see heaven while hell was staring him in the face. But we're told that it was in the year that King Uzziah died. King Uzziah was one of Israel's greatest kings. He reigned for 52 years. And we're not going to get into all the details of that for the sake of time. But what is interesting is this mountain of a man this spiritual leader who the nation of Israel prospered under, they were protected under, his name was now appearing in the obituary. How many of you know, if the Lord doesn't come back, that one day our name will be in the obituary? And so it was in the time of what could have been depressing, what should have been discouraging, and, and even causing despair to the place of hopelessness, it was in that time Isaiah said, I saw the Lord. I want you to know whatever you've gone through in 2019, God will use your crises. God will use the troubles that you've gone through to give you an opportunity to get a video from heaven. Now, I want you to know who he saw. He said, I saw the Lord. We understand scripturally that God is spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So he didn't see God the Father, but in John chapter 12, verse 41, Jesus quoting from Isaiah 53, who has believed our report, he said, when Isaiah made that statement about I saw the Lord high and lifted up, he was talking about me. So the one who was high and lifted up was none other than the pre-incarnate Christ taking on physical form as he did. We call that a theophanies, that Christ in the Old Testament at times would take on physical form. He would come in the form of the angel of the Lord. Uh, 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 Abraham saw him, and he called him Melchizedek. Remember? Amen, amen. Even if you don't, he, he did. So who he saw was Jesus. And it was during the time of crises and notice what he saw about this one who was sitting on the throne. And, and if, for, for, for our sake, God has many names. Jehovah is one, but it's one of many. But every name that is given in the scripture regarding God is, is, is a description or a, is, is a picture of the nature, the attributes, the perfections of God. It tells us something about God what God is like. And so sometimes we need to see him as El Rohi, the one who sees everything. Hagar needed to see him as El Rohi when she was fleeing from a, an angry Sarah. And she thought that God didn't care. And, and, and God spoke to her and he said, I see you. And, and then she said, the Bible says she named that place El Rohi. But in this instance, 
Isaiah said, I saw the Lord. The word Lord is from the Hebrew word Adoniah. It means sovereign, master, ruler, controller. The Lord of all lords. And the reason he needed to see him as Adoniah is because the, the earthly throne that was occupied by, by Uzziah, it was empty. But he needed to know that Adoniah was yet seated on his heavenly throne. There's never a time, no matter what you're going through, that God is not occupying because he's sovereign. You know what that means? That means God can do whatever he wants to do, whenever, however, to whomever. He's in charge. He is the master of all masters. He saw the Lord Adonai. He also said, the Bible says, that his throne was lifted up. Not only is the Lord in charge of everything, he is above. He saw the transcendency of God. He is above all things. There's never a time when Chaos is happening on the earth that God has a bad day in heaven. He is beyond the confusion of this world. He is beyond being searched out in terms of his ways. He's inscrutable. He knows all things. But we're not talking about this. We're not even talking about his omniscient. But he's above all things. We don't have to give God no Tylenol and take a break, God. And I know you, you need a sabbatical, God. No, he's above. He's like that plane flying above the storm. You see the lightning. You, see the, you, you, you hear the run, rolling of the thunder. But the plane is unaffected. God is unaffected. Not only does he see him high and lifted up, the Bible says that the train of his robe was filling the temple. That's a picture of God's omnipresence. He is everywhere at the same time. That means when you get home, he's already there. And when you come back to church, he's here waiting for you. And while you're going to see him, he's already with you. So there's never a time that God is not present. The train of his robe was filling the temple. And the scripture says that the angels were singing in a choral arrangement. One group would say the seraphim would say, holy, kadosh, kadosh, kadosh. And the other group would respond, the whole earth is full of his glory. Kadosh, kadosh, kadosh. The whole earth is full of his glory. Kadosh, kadosh. And the scripture says the holiest creatures that God ever made had six wings. With two, they covered their faces because God was so holy, they dared not, without permission, look upon him directly. With two, they covered their feet. That which is associated with sin and dirt, they covered their feet. And with two, they flew. The interesting thing, the Hebrew word said they were flying in a fixed position. They maintained their distance between them and God. So if the angels are not holy enough to just bust into the presence of God, what about us? Isaiah saw him as holy, totally apart from sin. The Bible says God is light, and in him dwelleth no darkness, no darkness at all. So he saw him as holy. He saw his omnipresent, the train of the road. He saw him as transcendent. He saw him as sovereign. And the scripture says that the foundation of the temple began to shake, and that was from the voices of the angel. But guess what? The reason the angels had power to do that is because of the omnipotence of God. The omnipotence of God. Somebody say amen. amen. 
here's how I know God was pleased. The Bible said that the smoke began to fill the temple. When God is pleased with your worship, one of the evidences of his pleasure in the, in the scriptures is that it, the smoke will go from the, from the offering into the aroma will go into the nostrils of God. And so the smoke began to fill the temple. I want you to understand, when you start praising God, crazy things start to happen. And some things start to get shaken. Some things that were binding you and holding you back and keeping you from all that God had for you. When you get to praising him, the foundations will begin to, to shake. Some of us are waiting for some foundations to shake, for some people to change. And God says, offer me up some praise. Offer me up some praise. And so God allowed a crisis to cause Isaiah, who was a church attender, a temple attender, taught the Torah, knew about the Sabbath, knew the Levitical law. Now he's in the presence of God. I want you to understand that until you've seen God, you can't say yes. You can't say yes. And when you have seen him, you'll know. Because this is what happened. Notice what happened to Isaiah. The Bible says in verse 5, Woe is me! I cried, I'm ruined! For I'm a man of unclean lips. He didn't feel that way when he was around the other believers in the, in the, in the temple. But in the presence of the Lord! And I live amongst people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. One of the first things that's going to happen when you, when, when you see God as sovereign and holy and omnipresent and omnipotent and transcendent, you're going to come under conviction. Woe is me. I want you to want the hardest sin to overcome is pride. That's the first sin that was ever committed. And it's the first sin that the Bible says in, in in Proverbs chapter 6, there's seven sins that God hates. He said, but the one that he hates the most is pride. Pride, what makes it so hard to overcome it is, one, we can see it in everybody else. <laughs> but we can't see it in ourselves. And so you find yourself spotting pride in a whole bunch of other folks. And you, man, they just need to humble themselves. They just need to submit to God. And, and you really just need to go look at yourself in the mirror and say, Lord, is it me? Is it me? He said, whoa. One of the things that happens when we're in the church so long and we know a couple Bible verses, we're in charge of something, we don't get convicted. It doesn't, what breaks the heart of God doesn't break our hearts. When is the last time you cried before God because you let him down? Because there was something, maybe it was just a phone call that you should have made. Somebody you should have prayed for. Woe is me. Then he confesses. See, conviction leads to confession. He said, I am a man of unclean lips. When's the last time you confess specifically your sin to God? Yours may not be unclean lips. But let me just go through. No, no, no. Whatever your sin is, the 
Bible says if, if we confess, if we agree with God about our specific sins, he is what? He is faithful and he's just to forgive us of our sins and do what? And to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Conviction should lead to confession. And when you've confessed, you are saying, all right, now, God, aren't you impressed? I'm at church on, on, on the night before the new year, and I could have been somewhere else. I could have been having me a good time. God ain't impressed. No more is your car on E impressed that you put gas in it. You needed the gas to use the car. This is the gas. This is God's filling station. You came here to get the word of God so that you can do what God has called us to do. Contrition. His, this is contrition means humility. He says it occurs when you when you when you confess and you're convicted. He said, "My eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty." Isaiah said, I'm, "I should be dead." You may not get a chance to have this kind of vision, but when you look back at the mess that God has saved you from, when I think about, oh, God, I'm talking to my son, I said, I should be dead because I sure my brain didn't work right. I used to hit my head against the wall as hard as I could just to see how tough I was. So well, now I know what's wrong with Pastor Benson. Okay. I don't know what you used to do, but... Man, I, I wanted to hurt people. I wanted to be bad. I wanted the people to think I was tough and terrible. I wanted to go to Holmesburg University Jail. That's where all my cousins went. And when they showed up, everybody just gave them all kinds of street cred. That's what I wanted. But for the grace of God, if it had not been for the Lord, if he had not reached out and snatched me from the very grip of Satan, I don't know where I would be. I ain't putting nobody down. I just thank God there's some things I never tried. I was too scared. Thank you, Jesus, for fear. Somebody say amen. amen. He said, I'm in the, I, I, the angels belong here. The temple belongs here, not me. Do you have that kind of contrition? God can't do anything through. The Bible says God gives grace to who? The humble. Let me run on. Once you have been come, once the, the clarity to see, of seeing the Lord brings us to a place of saying, yes. So the next thing after there's contrition, there's cleansing. He, he, he dispatched an angel to take a coal from the altar and to place it on, the, on Isaiah's lips. Before he could become a prophet, he had to get purified. So when you come to the Lord with conviction and confession and a, a contrite heart, then he will cleanse you. They wondered why this woman was kissing the feet of Jesus and wiping his feet with her tears and her hair and use this expensive alabaster perfume. They couldn't understand. Jesus said, let me, let, me, let me give you a theology lesson right about now. Here's what the difference between her and you. He said, ever since she came in and she couldn't stop showing contrition because she'd been clean. She came in. She, before she met me, she was dirty. But then I, I, through who I am, cleansed her. And because she is clean, who has been forgiven much will 
love much. When you understand what sin, one sin, don't take a bunch of, I ain't never done that. And man, I'm so glad. No, 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 no. You better come to the Lord recognizing that if it had not been for his mercy. And so now the prophet, he says, the angel has touched your lips and you are now cleansed. Every, if you are saved, you've been born again, you have been cleansed through the shed blood of Christ. You are now in a position to say yes. Here's the final thing. You ready? The call to say yes allows you to serve God as a chosen vessel. Listen at this. Then I heard a voice, the voice of the Lord saying, I've heard the voice of Adonai saying, whom shall I send? And now the Trinity gets involved. And who will go for us? And I said, after conviction and confession and contrition and cleansing, here am I. Send me. Now let me give you some quick things for 2020. Why should you say yes? I've said, I've given you some reasons, but let me just share this for those of you who are on the fence. You're waiting for somebody to give you permission or waiting to feel better. Well, understand, then I heard the voice of the Lord. Whose voice was this? And so the person calling you is not the pastor. It's not the elders or the deacons or some, some, this is the voice of the Lord. Adoniah, the one who could speak in a second and could call your soul to return and you will kill over and be dead and ushered into eternity. That's the one who is calling you. The call to say yes is not for man. You may get this right in 2020. Who are you listening to? call is also personal. He said, then I heard <laughs> the voice. The problem is you heard the pastor, you heard everybody else, but what has the Lord said to you? The Bible says, many as are led by the Spirit, they are the children of God. The same Holy Spirit that speaks to me is living in you. It's a personal call. He didn't call you to do what he called me to do. Nor can I he didn't call me to do what he called you, but you better get to doing whatever he called you to do. Amen. The call to say yes has eternal implications. Let me tell you why it's so important, the individual call in your life, that the entire trinity said, let's talk about this. He said, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send? And then the next thing he said, and who will go for? Your response is not just for now. And for future generations, it's for eternity. You can get a building in your name, and they come and blow it up. You can send people to college, et cetera, praise the Lord, and they forget your name, not even know where the money came from. But when you surrender to the call of God for your life, your work will follow you into heaven and into eternity. The call to say yes is not about your ability. Well, if I had gone to seminary, if I heard a Bible college, he said, who will go? It's availability, not your ability. Are you available? 
Now, here's what will happen when you say yes. Somebody said, what's going to happen? God is going to reveal his purpose for your life. You've been, that's what we're doing. When you say yes, he will reveal his purpose. He will release his power to do what he's purposed you to do. And then he's going to replace your passivity. You don't have any energy anymore. I don't want to be a part. I don't want to be a part. When, when you are walking in the call of God for your life, you're going to have a passion. You're going to be comfortable. And you know how you, you, there's something, there's people coming over, and you just got, you ain't going to sleep until that last thing is done and that last bed is made, that last meal is cooked, that last, you know, that's what passion will do. It'll push you past your tiredness. It'll push you past your fear. It'll push you past your, incon- you know, whatever would incapacitate you. When you say yes, you have a fire in your belly like Jeremiah. He said, I ain't preaching no more. I'm sick of the Bible. It didn't work for me. I just keep getting these doom and gloom sermons. But he said, but your word, stand with me, your word, your word was like fire, fire. Shut up in my bones. That's passion. <laughs> when you are operating in the call of God because you said yes, he will reveal your purpose. He will release his power and replace passivity with passion, with passion. The crisis is here. Things aren't going to get better in 2020. We're walking further and further away from God. We have excluded God from even clear miracles. God is not getting any glory. But God is using these circumstances these crises to cause man not to say yes to the beast, but yes to him. And when you have seen God, who is sovereign, transcendent, holy, omnipresent, and omnipotent, then you will be able to see yourself as unworthy. And then he'll say, who will go? Are you willing to say yes with every head bowed? Are you willing to say yes? Are you willing to say yes? If you're here today and you've